Welcome back to the Syracuse Football Podcast. I'm Stephen Bailey, joined as always by Julian Wiggum, and we're here to talk about Syracuse's last game of 2019, the Orange hosting Wake Forest and the Carrier Dome on Saturday at 1230. Nothing bowl-wise left to play for uh, for SU, but it is senior day, so a chance to send the outgoing class out on a win. Wake Forest still has something to play for, sitting at 8-3 and three and trying to improve its bowl standing. Uh, we're going to talk about a few players who we would like to see this uh, this weekend. You know, it's a chance for maybe a couple seniors to get on the field or a chance for the staff to evaluate some young guys in a game that doesn't have a lot of meaning. We're going to discuss one guy who I absolutely don't think should play for Syracuse in Jawar Jordan, a freshman running back who's played all four of his games. And, of course, we're going to take your fan questions for the second-to-last time this year. Before we get into all of that, I need you all to go subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, whatever you listen to your podcasts on. And if you'd like to purchase advertising, please contact Dylan Carpenter at 315-470-6069. All right, so the way we're going to do this, we did this earlier in the year, I believe before the Holy Cross game with five guys each. We just have three guys we each want to see today, uh, Excuse me on Saturday. Julian, I'll, I'll let you take the lead here. Who's the first guy who you want to see this weekend? Uh, wide receiver, Anthony Keeley. Um, he's someone who I remember actually watching in person uh, a couple years back. I think it was his actual freshman year. Um, he was working with the Wines. And then once the season started, all of a sudden he disappeared. Um, you know, coming in, did a little background on him. Three star guy, several ACC offers, uh, has the size of 6'2. Uh, I think he's a little over or close to 200 pounds at this point. Um, and the reason I want to see him play or hope that he gets more playing time was a lot of the same reasons that I mentioned Cam Short uh, a few weeks back is Syracuse has lacked a number one receiver uh, just about all year, and at least in the capacity that we're used to, uh, someone who fits the all-ACC, all-American mold. And I think that uh, for a quarterback and an offensive line who's been struggling all year, that would have been really valuable to have this year to be able to throw it up and certainly help Dungey uh, for the past two, three years that he was there. Uh, but going forward into next season, uh, for Syracuse to develop a, a true number one receiver who can go up and nab a ball um, in tight circumstances, a third and long or uh, a clutch moment. I think that would be really big for Syracuse's offense. And I think Keatley should have an opportunity to show what he can do. Um, some people turn out to be gamers. Um, Steve Ishmael was one of those guys. Obviously, he struggled. Or not struggled, but he wasn't as productive as he was in his senior year. And I think a large uh portion and reason for that was because he finally got the touches and the activity that he deserved and needed and a lot of that came from actually getting just game experience and, and opportunities in game so if uh, Keeley is that way I certainly think that getting him on the field um, in this last game would, would uh, well suit Syracuse in the long run yeah it's funny you mentioned Steve I, I remember the offseason between his junior and senior years Dino actually flew down talked with his high school coach and sat down with Ishmael. And Steve was thinking about leaving football, and they actually talked him back into it. They got a recommitment from him, and I think they got on the same page a little bit. I think what you're talking about is the opportunity that maybe he thought would have been there before Amba came in. And, uh, you know, he obviously performed really well. So my first guy is actually Cam Jordan, and I think we've chosen <laughs> we've chosen these two for very similar reasons. Um, I, I guess the point that I, I – 
I will add there's Cam has seemingly been the number three guy on the outside and his limited looks. I think he's been good, but a very low sample size. So I want to see more. And when I think about that wide receiver group for next year, I would not be surprised if we saw Tristan Jackson more coming out of the slot. Sean Riley obviously exhausting his eligibility, so that opens up some snaps in there. Maybe you see Taj Harris stay on the outside and Cam Jordan come in. Or if Ed Hendricks can get healthy, Ed Hendricks comes in, or maybe they go bring in somebody to play there. But I think there's potentially an opening on the outside if Tristan is is moving inside, or is he, he's certainly able to do both. But if he has a higher snap share on the inside, so it would be it would be nice to see either of those guys, or also Courtney Jackson. I, I think you know get some receivers some run here because. Uh, this is a valuable opportunity for them, and frankly, the timing with some of the guys besides Tristan Jackson and the chemistry with Tommy DeVito you know, hasn't been great. It, it would be nice to see a fresh face. Uh, who, who's your number two guy, Julian? Uh, second, and I will preface this to all of those listening, I am not a fan of playing seniors just because they are seniors. And the reason being is because when you come as a student athlete, uh, typically for football, when you come in your freshman year, you will come across kids who you immediately think, how in the world did you get a scholarship? And why did I work this hard if you could get one? And those typically those kids end up never playing and becoming seniors. And they realize about year two or three that they'd rather be an accountant than a football player and they start doing things that are much more valuable in terms of being an accountant or whatever else they want to do than actually playing football and they're just cast by the wayside so I don't believe in playing a senior just because he's a senior because I think chances are if they haven't gotten on the field to that point they either shouldn't be there or didn't put the work in to be there but uh, all that to say, I would like to see Clayton Welsh, who is a senior play. Uh, one, because I don't know what the health of DeVito is and if he's, you know, 100% or not. Um, and if I can avoid having him in there as long as necessary, I would love to have Clayton Welsh in there because, one, I think he's been valuable in Syracuse's offense. Two, I think he may be more valuable than DeVito at this point if DeVito isn't at, you know, 100% or, or he could go. So um, if, if Welsh has the opportunity to get in the game, I would love to see him in there because, one, I think he's done a lot for Syracuse's offense this year. Um, I think he's given a lot to the team. And uh, just because he's a senior who's done so much, um, I think he uh, is deserving of getting in the game uh, even if he's not needed. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, you know, we don't know anything about Tommy's health, but Clayton's a guy who came in and the staff picked Mahoney over him as the backup a few years ago. He worked as the three last year. And from from all I've heard, he's really worked hard to earn this backup job. Uh, last thought, this is a game that could kind of get out of hand, I feel like, scoring-wise. Um, and it would be fun to have a quarterback in there who can run around and just do crazy stuff. So for like the 12,000 people that are going to be in the Dome on Saturday, you know, maybe it would be a little bit more exciting. Um, my second guy, he, I picked him uh, for the Holy Cross weekend and he didn't play. I, he has a game left to play. I believe he's healthy. Freshman defensive end Steve Linton. This guy is really fast, really springy. I think someone who they, they think can be one of the ACC's better edge rushers once he adds some weight. Um, and I think someone who who's going to make good use of this four-game redshirt rule. He's gotten some reps this year um, while maintaining that redshirt. 
while being able to spend some time working in the strength and conditioning program. Uh, I know he was sick for a little bit this year, so that kind of uh, set him back for maybe a week or two. But I think he'd be someone, you know, someone fun to watch. And uh, if the game does kind of get out of hand at a certain point, it's a chance to get him some valuable reps. Who you got for number three, Julian? My final number three guy is Kadir White. Um, here's, and at this point, the guy's a myth to me. He's this big, tall, large mammoth of a young man, yet we've heard nothing about him since he's gotten to campus. And because of how uh, poorly Syracuse's offensive line has played, if this game gets out of hand, like you mentioned, I would love to see where this kid's at. You know, just in games here. I'm sure the coaches already have, uh, you know, scrimmage tape and everything else. I already kind of have an idea about what he could do and where he's at. But as a selfish fan and someone who's watching this team, I would love to see him get playing time because, again, I think that actual in-game experience is much different than when you're scrimmaging or practicing because the atmosphere is entirely different. The speed is different. It's hard to mimic that live action game speed, uh, just even in the scrimmage. So if he can get in the, get in the game, I'd love to see where he's at because he's, he's going to be at a point next season where we thought he would be a starting tackle for Syracuse. You know, we thought he was going to be one of the staples of the offensive line, yet we have seen nor heard anything about the kid for, what, two years now? So uh, would love to see him get on the field and, and put together um, a few series here and there and kind of ho- hopefully see where he's at uh, strength and b- uh, body size-wise. So uh, hopefully the kid is, is ready to go, and I'd love to see him play. Yeah, I believe he got here two summers ago, so I'd put it at 16 or so months on campus. Um, uh, he's has not been a part of the second team line that's come in this year. I grapple with with the notion that, well, he has there hasn't been much tangible proof that he's close to ready, you know, to being able to contribute here. I, I keep going back to a conversation I had with this high school coach who said, look, don't judge him until two years down the line. He needs all two, all of those 24 months. So to me, the jury's still out. I think it would be nice to see him. Uh, I think there's a reason why he's not on the second team offensive line yet, but I'm kind of withholding judgment based on that conversation. But I, I agree with you. Everyone, I think everyone would like to get a real look at Kadir. Um, I went back and forth on a few guys for number three. Uh, I'm going to go with Drew Tuizama, who's another freshman defensive lineman, been working at D-Tackle, kind of another one of those guys who maybe fit the mold of an end initially early in his recruitment, and Syracuse likes him on the inside. I think he's going to grow into that Chris Slayton, Josh Black, that kind of mold of a guy who's putting on weight and, and you're, you're getting acclimated to playing inside earlier. Um, Really explosive guy. Uh, you know, he got <laughs> ejected for that targeting call earlier this year. Um, certainly, someone who is who can be a difference maker up front can make big plays. Another really, really good athlete, just like Steve Lynn. Um, and with KJ Ruff going out and Kendall Coleman and Allen Robinson and Shaq Grosvenor is probably the for their fourth defensive tackle right now. Um, you know, he's someone who could position himself to be the third D-tackle next year. Curtis Harper is going to be there still, and Syracuse could bring someone in, but I think he's someone with a high ceiling and another guy, that four-game redshirt rule makes sense. You know, Like you, Julian, I didn't have a senior where I was like, oh, man, wouldn't it be nice to reward that guy? A lot of them have played a lot or have been just kind of in reserve roles. Like Otto Zaccardo was given a scholarship and like has played on special teams. Like, yeah, if you want to give him a drive at the end of the game, it would be kind of nice, but it's not – 
to to me, I, I think he's he's gotten, uh, you know, he's played regularly on special teams and he's gotten garbage time carries here and there. You know, maybe he ends up getting some, but he was the other name besides Clayton I thought of. But to me, more important than any of those guys playing is Jawar Jordan not playing. This is the true freshman running back, the guy who you saw take a uh, a swing pass about 80 yards for almost a touchdown late against Louisville. He replaced Sean Riley on kick returns last week and looked really, really sharp. Maybe the fastest guy on the team. Carl Jones might have something to say about that, but effectively with a football in his hand, he is probably the fastest guy on the team. Um, if you play him in one more game, if you play him this weekend, he doesn't redshirt. He's a true sophomore next year. Um, I, you know, I, I believe it was after the BC game, Dino Babers basically said, you know, we're, we're going to play him four and then we're going to redshirt him. Well, <laughs> when you saw what happened last week, I wonder if there's a little part of, of Dino and, and probably Jawar too that says, hey, why don't I just play another game? Clearly I'm good enough to do this. And right. I, I think the perspectives are interesting because from overall – Team, team health, the, the best case for this team long-term, clearly I think it's is to redshirt him. You know, this is, this program will always have depth, depth issues barring some kind of great step forward in the long run. So having a guy who, who you know is has got another four years I think is worthwhile. You kind of committed to this path earlier in the year, like you didn't try and play him early on knowing he had this speed. And it's, it's not like they really put him out there in pass pro scenarios anyway. He kind of came on... And like uh, a couple of third down packages, and he didn't get early down carries until the end of the game. Like in kick returns, you're kind of putting him in places to use his speed. You could have done that earlier in the year. So to me, I, I think it makes the most sense to allow him to redshirt. I'd be interested to hear if he does play what Dino's rationale is, and if it was as simple as if he asks Juar what Juar wants to do. So. Um, any, any kind of thoughts on that situation in your mind, Julian, and what's kind of best for the player slash best for the team? Yeah, so I think in both cases, if it's best for the player, uh, I think he's still redshirt. Uh, he's played his four games, and uh, strictly from a player aspect, uh, and this kind of goes more so to the student side of the student-athlete conversation, having the extra year, all of a sudden now you can pursue more ac- academic pursuits. You can go for your master's, complete all those different things. There are a lot of benefits to redshirting uh, as a student that you may not have if you were to play out all four years. And then for the team, again, I still think it's smarter not to play the kid just because this game is meaningless. Why would you burn eligibility on a talented athlete on a meaningless game for your program? Whether you win or lose, you, were, you still had a poor season. You didn't make a bowl game. You fell below 6-6. Six and six. You weren't where you're supposed to be. There's no reason to burn a kid's shirt um, and his eligibility in the long term where you could be a much better football team by that point by putting him in a meaningless game. So I, 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 in both cases, whether for the team or the individual, I see this as a uh, benefit to keep him out of this game. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I don't think 5-7 and seven versus 4-8 and eight. Even if he were to make that difference, like I don't think it helps you that much in recruiting, or like, I don't know if Dino's got a bonus in his contract. Like I, to me, there's really no good enough reason to do it. So, you know, hopefully for the sake of Jawar, they they let him redshirt. Um, all right, let's go over to some Twitter questions. Doc Vernald, a regular here, chiming in with certain coaches definitely on the way out and new coaches coming in. How much of a disruption will this be to the recruiting class? Positives or negatives? I well, 
I guess it depends on who's going out and who's coming in. And, like, yeah. the fact that they're recruiting now without a defensive coordinator in, in place is, is definitely a negative. I think it's it makes it tough to, um, you know, to basically tell any defensive player what scheme they're going to be playing in in college because you don't know. Um, so I, I think that's going to be tough. It's, it's certainly not unheard of. Plenty of schools do it throughout the year. Uh, are there any positives to it? I guess if you bring in another Power 5 caliber coach who can bring a player or two with him, uh, obviously in the long run there are positives in recruiting if guys have connections to certain areas or um, are, are, are particularly successful as recruiters. You have all of those things working in their favor. But, um, you know, any, anything that you have to kind of add there, Julian, regarding how the coaching shakeup can, can affect recruiting? You know, I can think of a conversation I had with uh, one of my high school coaches back in the day, uh, Coach Reggie Stanley. He was a running backs coach at the time. Uh, He's also our strength coach at Dwyer. And I remember I had gotten a another offer from Boston College, and uh, Miami was coming in late. And I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Miami. One of them didn't have a coach. Uh, I think it was on on the. Uh, defensive side of the ball and I wasn't I can't remember if it was a cornerback's coach a secondary coach or a defensive coordinator but um coach Stanley was like man if they ain't got no coach you ain't gone <laughs> right <laughs> and, and, and the rationale was you don't know what this guy is about when they bring him in and he may not like you at all you may not be the type of athlete he wants you may have the wrong body type you may not fit his scheme if you if they do not have a defense coordinator there is no incentive for the recruit to go no matter how much he may like his position coach or whoever he's getting recruited by by because all of a sudden, they may bring a guy in, uh, a coordinator in, who has a scheme that you don't fit at all, and that coordinator may not like you. All of a sudden, you're sitting for four years because you picked a, a school and a coach that doesn't actually you know, believe in your potential. So I think there's more harm than good by trying to recruit without a coordinator because you're trying to explain to recruits, oh, this is what we like about you. This is where we think you can fit. But ultimately, there's a lot of people in recruits' ears saying, if they don't have a coach, they don't have a recruiter. Uh, um, if they don't have a coordinator, these are all the potential downsides to going there. I think a lot of recruits would reconsider going to a place like Syracuse while there's no coordinator versus some of the other opportunities they may have. Yeah, and the timing of this is all really interesting because Dino Baber said he's not going to make a decision on the coordinator until after his season is done, which is only one more week. But the early signing period is December 18th, and that is creeping up. Players are being actively recruited. Um, you don't have a defensive coordinator. When are you going to get one? And then on the offensive side, if you're considering making changes, do you do you make them before December 18th or do you wait until afterward? And there's the pros and cons with each, right? And I, I believe Rob Moore left Syracuse just after signing day a few years ago after bringing yeah. in a bunch of wide receivers. And it's like, so do you, is it, do you want to like ask permissions like hey if we get rid of this guy will you stay or do you want to ask for forgiveness afterwards like hey sorry like we had to do this but we still really like you now that you're signed to a binding agreement um it, yeah <laughs> in, in more cases they're gonna they're gonna try to hold on to uh their, their place as as the coaches and then all of a sudden if they're gonna go it's like oh sorry man and then be out yeah so, so Dino Babers is going to be earning his money uh over the next couple months I I, I don't necessarily think it will be pretty um, this recruiting class already is not great. It's kind of on par, maybe a little worse with the last couple. But 
figuring out how to like reshuffle his staff and, and, and get a defensive scheme in place while retaining a decent influx of talent, that's, that is not going to be easy. Uh, sliding down, Turnpike Mike, any predictions for D.C. candidates or names who may end up in rumors? You know, we talked about Brian Norwood from Navy, their co-defensive coordinator, a guy who's got some history with Dino a few weeks ago. I think he makes sense still. I don't have a list otherwise in front of me, and Julian's expressed his thoughts on the type of coach that, that Syracuse should be looking for, a younger guy with a more modern approach. Is there a name that you think of, Julian, or is it kind of too early for that for you? Uh, it's either too early and one. I don't. I also am not familiar with the current co- coaching carousel to know um, who may be available. But yeah, sticking to uh, points in earlier podcasts, my hope is that uh, again, whoever becomes available uh, come the off season is someone who is a younger coach with more modern philosophies that counter, um, you know, some of the uh, newer offensive. Uh, strategies that are coming about. Uh, I don't believe in, you know, back when the Rams were going crazy and Sean McVay was the guy and everyone wanted the next McVay and uh, whoever had a cup of water with McVay, right? I think the, the actual answer to that was finding the correct coordinator to go up, go back and forth with McVay. And we're seeing that NFL now. Teams have all cut up to the Rams and their offensive schemes. So when it comes to Syracuse, I think finding – uh, the appropriate defensive coordinator who has the right scheme and the right approach to, and, and new ideas in terms of countering some of these ACC offenses. Uh, no one knows how to deal with Clemson yet, you know. So I, I, I would like to uh, see Syracuse bring in someone with uh, some new ideas and more modern philosophies that counter some of the uh, newer concepts that are coming out in the ACC these days. Sure, uh, Jason Plato, who I saw at the airport. Going to Duke, I believe. Really nice guy. Appreciate you saying hi. Dino pulled DeVito on 4th and 18. I believe it was 4th and 9 last week. My question is how many D-linemen would it have taken to drag Dungy off the field in that situation last year? Uh, probably a couple. I, I will say this. If it truly was Dino's decision, like Dungy did come off for Dino last year, uh, the Florida State game, when he had the debris in his eye. Um, obviously, he played through a broken foot. But I think the key point here is Eric Dungy, you know, with a broken foot is different than Tommy DeVito with with limited mobility. And, again, with the offensive line that was in front of each of them. So uh, I see your point. I also talked to Tommy after the Louisville game, and it was clearly not his decision to come off. He was respectful about it, but he said it was not his decision. And, um, you know, I think there's something to be said for not arguing with your coach in that situation. But... Uh, point taken, Eric Dungy is is an incredibly tough individual. Um, and last one, uh, i got to figure out how to pronounce your last name, man. Kyle Nabuanyuk. You, you send me an email with the pronunciation of your last name. Please. I feel so bad. I'm butchering it every time. Uh, anyway, we see Rex Culpepper and or David Summers on Saturday. I'm going to say no to Summers. I think he's been working with the scout team all year and – I mean, if Tommy is not available for some reason, then I think it'll be Clayton starting. And, yeah, you can see some of Rex. Um, Rex is not being honored as part of the senior day, which to me means he's probably coming back for his fifth year. But he is someone who could be the backup quarterback, depending on how David Summers develops, who Syracuse brings in. We're still waiting to hear some news on Cade Fortin, the transfer quarterback from North Carolina, who is a spring enrollee this year. 
Um, so it would be interesting to see Rex. I do think the staff kind of feels like they know what they have for him. It's not someone who hasn't really played in games at all, and they've seen a lot of practice reps from him. But uh, it, it would be cool to see Rex out there. Um, but I would be really surprised if we saw David Summers. All right, guys, thanks as always for the questions, and we really appreciate you listening. If you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, whatever you listen to your podcasts on. And if you'd like to purchase advertising, you can contact Dylan Carpenter at 315-470-6069. We'll be back to talk to you after the Wake Forest game.